Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Take out your Bibles, take out your notes, your book, your pens, your pads, devices, whatever you do to write notes and and write this down there in your notes as I want to get straight into this message. uh, It's titled Difference Makers, Difference Makers. But before we get into it, I was so blessed uh, by last week's message by our brother Omar. How many of you were blessed by it? I know I was. And by the testimonies and all that. But but, but really, um, I, I just honor... Uh, the gifts uh, that the Lord is stirring and bringing to growth. And um, I was um, honored to to sit under that teaching as well and to be encouraged by it. And I pray that all of you were. And I'm just grateful um, even for, for that ministry that took place last Sunday. Amen? So, so let's get into this. Today's message is titled Difference Makers. Say that with me. Difference Makers. Yeah, sounds good coming out of our mouths. Difference Makers. Uh, and, and as I get into this, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity. Let me, let me take a drink before we get off. You know, we took a lot of sodium intake this week. <laughs> a lot of salt, man. Got to get that salt out of our bodies. But um, you may have had the, the privilege to get around someone and be able to recognize uh, that they are just cut out differently than everyone else in the room. You've ever been around someone like that? They're in a room and you're just like, this person's cut differently than everyone else in this room. Uh, They're difference makers is the the individuals that I'm talking about today. Their presence can shift a whole room. Their positivity is enough to get you moving forward. When they're around, people are just happy. They just bring that kind of atmosphere with them. You know, when they're around, people are happy. There's something in them that you know they're designed, they're destined to do great things. Difference makers. Ever been around someone like that that you could just point your finger at and say, there's something, there's something up with this guy. There's something up with this girl. There's something up with this group. There's something different about this person. You know, Scripture is full of people like this, difference makers. If you read throughout Scripture, you'll see there's difference makers all over it. And, and, and I want to be very intentional with those words, difference makers. It's purposely making a difference. It's intentionally making a difference. It's a lifestyle that as it's lived before others, it's constantly making and performing changes. Difference makers. These are people that are all over scripture, people that are among us, uh, people maybe that are in your family, and and they're just different. And and some of these people in scripture, they're famous. We we preached about them. We, We mentioned them almost every weekend, every Sunday. We mentioned them in every study. They're famous. And many times... Many times, they don't come from anything too special. We learned that a few weeks ago. They don't come from anything too special. They, they just got something special in them. We, we talked about use what you got. And there's just something special within them. They're, they're famous. You should write this down. They're famous for the things they did, not for the things they did not do. And they're difference makers. Because, because they were known for the things that they did. For the things that they've done, it, it makes one ask themselves this question. Well, what do I want to be known as? As you read the scriptures, as you read throughout the text, and you read about some of these 
people and some of the doings, that, some of the things that they did, you ask yourself this question, well, what do I want to be known as? We speak a lot here at Nest about legacy and, and what is my legacy? What is going to be said of me? And that's kind of in the same family of stuff that we're talking about here. What do I want to be known as? And that's the question that I want to ask you today. What do you want to be known as? What do you want to be known as? What is that desire deep in you? Do you want to be known for the things that you didn't do or for the things that you did do, for the things that you have done? What do you want to be known as? And specifically, the changes that you've made, the changes that you've made in your lifetime. And, and this is my prayer, and this is my, my thought into today's message. I pray that all of us, or the way I wrote it, that all of you have in your inner man a longing, a stirring, and a burning for a great adventure. A longing, a stirring, and a burning for a great adventure. That we would not be satisfied and complacent with a lifestyle in the faith that is dull. That is empty of any true adventure. I, I truly beg to differ in the sense of Christianity and the walk of faith. It should be more exciting than it is dull. It should be more up than it is down. It should be more adventurous than it is bleh, boring or complacent. The, the life of one that lives in faith, very important. As last week, there was a great message on that. But a, a life that is lived in faith, it, it's one that is not just fat, satisfied and complacent living, dull, empty of true adventure. You, you may look or you may say this to me. It seems like you desire to live a life of trouble. And my answer is no, I don't desire necessarily to live a life of trouble i'm just looking to encounter greater adventures on this earth for the glory of his name and for his kingdom and the only way that you and i that you your family anyone the, the only way that we will encounter greater adventures is by activating the greater faith within us daniel think about this and and seriously i couldn't go um character by character we would have been here for a long time. But Daniel had to face those conspired against him. And he still did it. He had to face lions in a den. That's just some things. Trust me, that's not all Daniel had to face. Adventurous. David started with Goliath. Which really, that's a false statement. He, st he started in the secret with lions and bears. But publicly it was Goliath. And after Goliath, it didn't end from there. It was an ongoing life of adventure. Abraham had to leave his world to a world he did not know. And it was an ongoing life of adventure. Elijah alone had to face 850 of Baal's and Asherah's prophets. What an adventure that was. We've been able to stand on the same mountain, the same area where he caught fire from heaven to consume his um, altar where the prophets were all around, the children of Israel, we, we've been able to stand in that same place. And we were just like, wow, we're on this mountain where this happened. What an adventurous and faithful life. Joseph had to face betrayal and slavery, imprisonment. The, the three Hebrews faced a fiery furnace that didn't scorch them. David's mighty men had to fight lions in a pit on a snowy day. 
They had to break Philistine encampments to just bring water to David. That's just some of the things on all these characters. Moses had to go back to Egypt and challenge the most powerful man on earth as we know him as Pharaoh. Gideon basically defeated thousands of Midianites all on his own. If you study all of the prophets, both major and minor prophets all throughout scripture, and you study all of their doings, I mean, it's too much to name the lives that they had, the things that they did, the way that they spoke. <clears throat> if you study the, um, all the apostles and the dangers they faced, yet it was an adventure for the gospel that they chose to live in. Again, if we get into the scripture and study about all of the apostles, it's too much. I mean, they lived an adventurous life. Many today, what are they doing all over the world? They're smuggling Bibles. Many are smuggling Bibles. Many are having church in secret. Many are being imprisoned and tortured for their faith and their boldness in Jesus Christ. It's all over Scripture. And it's all around us. It's all over Scripture and it's all around us. People who are different people who are different makers. They just make everything different. People who live for the adventures that the kingdom of God brings to one on this earth. You know, like, this is not in my notes, but imagine Mary, maybe 12 years old. And an angel just pops up and says, hey. You're going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit, right? It's going to work out. Just enjoy the adventure. Just crazy. I mean, all over Scripture, they take, he takes us into this adventure. And, and, and you need to ask yourself, like, what am I going to be known as? On, on this time of, as we get out of Thanksgiving and enter into Christmas and all that, and we jump into this new year, which, which, which man, think about everything that we're going through, everything that we're wrestling, everything that we're fighting against and all that what is God what is the Holy Spirit leading us in during this season during this time frame during this period that we are living in how am I called to be a difference maker and are you willing to take the challenge to live in faith and accept the adventures that your faith being led by the Holy Spirit will take you will open doors for you People who live for the adventures that the kingdom of God brings to one on this earth. What does a difference maker do? That's the question. What does a difference maker do? Well, one thing is sure. They've acknowledged that life is greater when it is not lived for self. A difference maker knows that their life is greater when it's not about themselves, when they don't live for themselves. They put others before them, amen? They put the comforts of others before their own. They give to others before they themselves can receive anything. Difference makers I'm talking about. They'll take a lowly position so that others can take credit. They'll always view that life is about living for something way greater than themselves. They're grateful for the life that is theirs and all that is theirs, but their lives and their family are not rooted in any of those things. We, we read a lot about Paul and the life of Paul. Today we will, if 10 permits, we'll get into some writing from Paul. 
But, but we look at Paul and he, he really highlights this about his life. I want to read one specific scripture and it's in Galatians 2. It's one of my favorite um, scriptures from Paul. <clears throat> one of my favorite things that Paul has written. Though he's written everything that he writes. We love it. But he writes this in Galatians 2 verse 20. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. He says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and he gave himself for me. How many of you could say amen to that scripture? I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Christ now lives in me. I live now in this body, in this earthly body. And by what? By faith in the Son of God. By trusting in the Son of God. Who what? Who loved me and he gave himself for me. It's first what he's done for me. Which is why now I have the ability to do for him. It's first what he's done for me. Now, it's an often quoted verse. This verse. Often quoted verse. And what Paul is saying is... Very simple, and you should know this, that all my intentions, all of my goals, my aim in life, all my studies, my connections that I've made, all that I've worked so hard to be, all of me, everyone say all of me. Paul says, well, it's no more. Can you imagine that? You spend all your years studying, all your years studying to pass that bar exam, all your years to try to be recognized, all your years to grow in fame, all your years to make connections, to grow up the ladder, and to climb up the ladder. And Paul says, all of these intentions, goals, aims, studies, connections, everything that I've worked so hard for, well, all of it is no more. He even goes on later to say that all of his successes is rubbish to the Lord. It's manure before the Lord. So basically, he says, I've put it to death. And so I wrote this question down in my own notes. I said, well, what, why would he put, why would he put it to death? Why is he putting these things to death? Because the answer is this. It was a lifestyle lived out without Christ and his word as the priority. Everything that he achieved, all of his successes, his aim, the perspective, the vision, the goals that he had... All of it was without Christ and the word of the Lord as the priority of what he was doing. The reason and the purposes of why he was doing it. Christ was not the leading and God's kingdom was not the leading thing. It was not what was in sight in Paul's life as he achieved all those things. And he came to a point of his life where he says all of that is no more because none of it was in Christ. So Paul comes to the conclusion as the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work in him, which is this. I noticed that I was more dead for the things I was living for than I was alive. Paul recognizes that in all of his great heights and successes. He recognizes I was more dead for the things living for than I was alive in them. And because I was dead to the things that I was living for, guess what? As I went to the cross, I put myself to death and I put everything that I've ever accomplished to die on the cross as well. Because none of it was for the glory of Jesus Christ and for the glory of the kingdom of heaven. And he comes to that point of his life where he recognizes that. 
I want to be made more alive. I wonder if there's anyone sitting here today that you know you're alive. I mean, obviously you're here today. But I'm wondering if you're here today and you're like, no, no, but I really want to be made more alive. I know I'm alive. I know I had breakfast today. I know I have breath. If not, I wouldn't be here today. But there's something inside of me. Though I'm alive and living for the things that I'm living in, everything inside of me is dead as I'm living for these things. But some of you want some things to be crucified so that you could walk into a newness of what the kingdom of heaven has for you and you could finally say, I'm willing to live in the adventure of that because there is where I'm most alive and I am found most alive. Are you there? I wonder if any of you could relate to that. What is Paul saying? Not only does he notice that he was more dead in the things he was living for than he was alive, but he notices that, that it wasn't going to do anything for him. Paul recognizes that none of this is going to do anything for me. He also says it, wasn't making, it was actually making me worse. Paul knew that. It wasn't going to do anything for me. It was making me worse. Guess what else it was doing? It was making people worse. And it wasn't doing anything good for the kingdom and for the God that I profess. So him being Paul, so him living was him coming to the place of him being crucified. Where all that was done in Paul's own strength, in Paul's knowledge, in Paul's intellect, I'm going to say this one, ready? In Paul's charisma. All of those things, it's all dead and done away with. And now he encounters a resurrection life where all that Paul would be and do and go was Christ's doing and the Holy Spirit's leading. Did you hear what I just said? He encounters a resurrection life where all that Paul would be do and go was Christ's doing and the Holy Spirit's leading. I wrote this down. What an adventurous life. You know, Paul's life really gets adventurous after the road of Damascus. Before that, I mean, he's getting papers from the, from the leaders and he's going from town to town persecuting Christians. Nah, dull. It's dumb. You're wasting your time. But when he was transformed on the road, Paul's life took an adventurous turn, being led by the Holy Spirit. He went from hunting Christians and persecuting them to becoming one, preaching all over his known world, being stoned to death. You know that, right? Raising himself up, obviously the Lord doing it. Paul being used to raise up the dead. Paul being used to cast out demons, healing the sick. Paul didn't have a church to grow, a building fund to manage, or anything like that. He made every town, every ruler he stood before. He made his whole life, and everywhere he went, he made it his podium. An opportunity to preach Christ. And he worked wonders if the Holy Spirit allowed it wherever he was at. Paul never needed a building. Paul never needed a building. Paul never needed a named ministry to ever function under the power of the Holy Spirit. Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and live in faith the adventurous life of the kingdom of heaven. 
He was a difference maker all by himself. He didn't need anyone to take him by the hand. He didn't need anyone. He just says, I'm going to make a difference in whatever bubble I occupy, in whatever space I occupy. The Holy Spirit is alive in me, so the Holy Spirit is going to come alive through me in every place I go. How many of you can say the Holy Spirit is alive in you? All of us can say that. But how many of you can say the Holy Spirit is alive through you? Those are two different statements. Paul did not just have the Holy Spirit alive in him. Peter did not just have the Holy Spirit alive in him. Philip did not just have the Holy Spirit alive in him. Andrew did not just have the Holy Spirit alive in him. Thomas did not just have the Holy Spirit alive in them. They had the Holy Spirit alive through them. They were difference makers. They were difference makers. So we understand when Paul writes this. I have, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. We understand that now. So if he has been crucified with Christ and is no longer him who lives, I then have a question to ask, which he does answer actually. So you living on this earth, dead to self and alive to Christ, here's my question, Paul. What does it consist of? What does it consist of? According to that statement that you just wrote in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, part A, what does your life consist of? And the answer is found in that same exact verse. That same exact verse, he says what? Well, here it is. Here's my answer. You should put it up on the screen, the B section of that verse. It says, this life I now live. Everyone say, this life I now live. There it is. So, so what, is he, what is he distinguishing there? He's drawing a line in his life, right? What is he saying? There used to be a life that I lived, but now there's a life that I now live. There's a life that I lived, but there's a life that I now live. Meaning what? There are two, his, there are two stories of Paul's life. There's the one that is before Christ, and then there's the one with Christ. There's the Christ that, there, there's the Christ. There's the life that has been crucified, but guess what? Every Christian does not stay crucified because now Paul is coming from a place of resurrection and now there is the life that has been resurrected. If you still live a crucified Christian life, then you are missing the most powerful thing about our Savior, which is his resurrection. Jesus did not stay on a cross and Jesus did not stay in Joseph's tomb. Jesus lives in resurrection power today and offers resurrection power to all of his children currently at this moment today so when paul writes this he recognizes wait a minute i have i have the old self who has been crucified and then i have a new person who has been resurrected so the question he answers is this the life that i now live in this body how many of you are living a life right now in this body we all are we're all here we're all living a life presently, right now, in this body. He says, the life that I now live in this body, comma, here on earth. He says, I live by faith. I live by trusting, the other translation says. By faith, by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. See, Paul was a difference maker. So now he's at a point of his life where he lived for the purpose of God. 
During Paul's day, I want to make sure that as we get to this B section of this verse, I want you to know that during Paul's day, it was a dangerous world for Christians to live in. If you think that 2020 is a horrible world for you to live in, I need you to really, really start studying the Bible a little bit deeper and recognize that the world that the apostles lived in, did church in, preached the gospel and spread it through every region, they lived in a very terrifying, very dangerous world where rulers and powers were hunting them down, burning them at the stake and making parties and just destroying, the, trying to destroy the work and the people, those of the way of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you that when Paul Paul wrote these letters, it wasn't the, the easiest of days. It wasn't the best of days. It wasn't, it wasn't just like, oh, Paul, you know, when you wrote this, you just had it easy. You didn't have it like we have it here in 2020. I mean, we have it rough, Paul. You don't have no idea how, how we have it. And Paul says, well, let me tell you how I had it. Let me tell you about, let me tell you about Rome and, and, and people like Nero and stuff like that. Let me tell you about some of the things that they did. So you could recognize that I lost many brothers and many sisters in Nero's parties and in Rome's parties. And they used them as light bulbs. They lit them on fire. They melted them. They put wax on them and set them ablaze. And they rejoiced and they drank. And they had, you could imagine the Roman parties that they had while your, my very own brothers were dying at the stake. Oh, I had it rough. So, so what, am, what am I trying to say? Paul was a difference maker. He lived for the purpose of God all while during his day. It was a dangerous world. It wasn't an easy world. They were being shamed. They were being tortured. They were being killed. They were not easy days. But there was no stopping men like Paul. <laughs> you know, people that just stopped. What? We can't stop. You can't stop, not during these days. Paul did not stop. There was no stopping men like Paul. There was no stopping men and people like the apostles. There was no stopping our Christian brothers and sisters as we read about them throughout the New Testament text. There was no stopping them. They were, as Paul was as well, they were different makers. They, were, they, were, they, they made the difference everywhere they went. They were difference makers. And this is certain, you should write this down. To be a difference maker, we need, as Paul says, we need to live by faith in Christ Jesus. How many of you can say amen? We need to live by trusting in the Son of God. We need to live by trusting in the Son of God. And what do we know? And know that when I am weak, he is strong. When circumstances is uncertain, he is certain. When death strikes, life lives in me. How many of you have experienced that this year? When I've been weak, he's been strong. When things have been uncertain, he's been certain. When death has struck, life has been, has been made alive. Paul's an interesting character. Because, not just because of the words he wrote. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Paul's an interesting fellow. Not just because of the words he wrote, but because of the life that he lived. As a prisoner on the way to Rome, he was going to appeal to, uh, to Caesar. I, I, forgive me, I get um, Felix and Agrippa and everyone mixed up. I, I want to believe that his last um, confrontation was with Agrippa. King Agrippa and them, they had a little meeting. He said, you see, he, we could have done something else with him, but he, 
you know, Rome appealed to Caesar, so now we got to send them to Rome, and they shipped them out to Rome. So Paul is on a, on a ship, and as he's on a ship as a prisoner with chains, he's on his way to Rome to appeal to Caesar. This is coming now to the end of his life. He would eventually, his life would end there. But not only is he on this boat by himself, if you study the scripture, he's with about, he's with around 276, 276 other people are on this ship with Paul. Over 200 people, close to 300 people are on this ship. And the boat that Paul is on for days, it, it, it runs into the storm. And as it hits the storm and it fights the storm, it eventually becomes shipwrecked. And they find themselves, and you can study all of this in the book of Acts towards the end. I want to say um, in, the, in the late chapters, chapter 26 and so on. They find themselves in an island called Malta. And as they are shipwrecked and they go to Malta, and so much happens be, before he even steps in Malta, but I don't have time to get into all of that. He's picking up sticks to make a fire. I don't know if you've read this story. And as he's picking up sticks within the sticks, a poisonous snake bites Paul. A poisonous snake bites him and no harm is done. He should have been dead within minutes. He should have passed out. And he doesn't. He keeps on going on his business. And all the islanders in Malta begin uh, to believe him as, as a god, to be a god. Certainly uh, the gods have visited us. Such bravery, such courage, I use this word not lightly, such availability, allows Paul, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, to heal, now at this point, the chief's father. The chief of this primitive group comes up to him and says, my father is sick in bed, dying. And Paul goes and prays over him and, and, and pretty much resurrects this man. And he heals him. Not only does he heal him, he's able also to share Jesus Christ to the whole tribe that is found in Malta. The whole island of Malta is one for Jesus Christ. It's one for the gospel. You know, you read that, you hear me say that, you've read it before, you've heard it preached before, and I'm just summarizing it. And you're like, ah, yeah, we've heard. But no, that's a big story. That's a big deal. Like, we can't just take these little things lightly and be like, oh, that's cute. No, it wasn't. He risked his life. He should have died in the shipwreck. The guards almost killed him and all the other prisoners because they thought they were going to escape. The snake should have killed him. None of it was going good for Paul. None of it looked positive for Paul and for the rest of the prisoners. Nothing, not one thing was going his way, but yet everything was going God's way. <laughs> not one thing was going the way Paul desired it to go, but everything was going the way heaven scripted it to go. <laughs> and he goes over there, and what he thought was a shipwreck was actually a, a revival service in Malta to save the whole island for Jesus. They all had, that it was just about a shipwreck. And heaven says, no, it's more than a shipwreck, son. It's more than a snake bite. It's because they're going to see that you're not a God, but they're going to see who is your God. They began to worship him as a God. But when he began to function and show them, they bowed their knees to the one who was God. And the whole island was, I mean, this isn't just a little story. And this is just one thing that Paul did. This is just one little story that Paul did. There are many more brave, courageous, available stories of Paul. But this is just one towards the end of his life. All of this because 
he was a he was different because a difference maker was available a difference maker was present a difference maker had faith a difference maker had had trust in Jesus Christ he was stripped from all of his comforts he was stripped from all of his worries he was stripped from all of his fears he was stripped from everything and he operated now with a different spirit, with a different heart, and with a different faith. He was a difference maker at that moment. He didn't say, oh my God, my luggage fell overboard. I don't have no clothes to wear. He didn't say, oh my God, I'm being stripped from the people that I love, from the town that I come from. He didn't say anything. He said, awesome, I have an opportunity right now to show these people that not even death has a hold on me. I have an opportunity to heal a sick man. I have an opportunity to preach. The he was a difference maker. When Paul walked into the whole room, the whole room lit up. And there was nothing beautiful about his appearance, but there was something gorgeous about his appearance. Because it was nothing about his outward appearance. It was about what was alive within him. That whenever Paul walked into a room, everyone recognized there's something different about this man. The way he speaks is different. The way he walks is different. The way he prays is different. Everything he does is different. I like being around him. I like to hear what he says. There's just something that always happens when Paul... Do you have a friend that whenever that friend is around, something just always has to happen? Paul was that guy. Whenever he's around, like, yo, yo... This is the Paul's telling you about. Watch. Today something's going to happen. So someone falls off the balcony and he's dead on the floor. A young kid, he lays on top of him and resurrects him. I told you, he's dope. He's cool like that. Like he's fun to hang out with. Paul was always doing things like this. Paul lived with the Holy Spirit in him and flowing through him. He was a difference maker and he operated with a different spirit. He was available. Are you available? During this time, are you available? That shows whether you're a difference maker. During this time, are you present? You being at church has nothing to do with being present. I'm just asking if you're present. During this time, do you have faith? Are you trusting in Jesus Christ? Are you being stripped from your comforts, from your worries, from your fears? Is God calling you to a life of adventure? Dude, if I had to dress up like a pirate today to get your attention, I would have done it. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> a life of adventure. He was a difference maker. Are you a difference maker? When you walk into your family's house, they say, oh, look who showed up. Or they say, oh, whenever he's here, whenever she's here, it's just, it lights up this dark room. Are you a difference maker? His presence shifted rooms. His presence shifted islands, nations, kingdoms. You, you, you know, you hear me say that and you're probably like, oh, but that's Paul. And? You just automatically took it upon yourself that God is, that Paul is greater than you? Why? Who cares about, if you're worried about, oh, that's just Paul, you're, you're still focusing about who's greater and who's this? Didn't? Christ confront that with his disciples? Imagine the things that you can do. Imagine, okay, maybe you didn't write half of the New Testament, but imagine the books that you could write. All right, preaching to myself, amen. He was a difference maker. His positivity, his faith was enough 
to get people moving forward. Okay, I, I didn't have time to get into it. But in that, in that ship, when it got wrecked, everyone was freaked out, terrified. The soldiers were at edge. They took out their spears. The prisoners were, about, were, 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 were taking off their, their heavy garments. They were ready to jump in the water. And Paul said, yay! No one's jumping off the boat today. And Romans, none of you are going to kill any of the prisoners. The Lord, the Lord told me that if, now, if, if every single one of you stays on this boat, and if you all just behave, he's going to get us through this, and we're going to all survive this thing. What did Paul do? He shifted, and he, he lit up the room. And not only that, but guess what he did? He did this right here. It was enough to make people to move forward. All right, Paul, because you said it, I'll trust in you. Can you imagine being that person that you could just say something and people just follow you just because I trust what you say, man. I don't know. I think you're a little crazy, man, but, but you said it. I'm going to trust what you say. And that's what Paul did. Paul just said it. You know, I thought like this was, the whole, this was what God told me, and they all followed him. Why? Because they saw that in Paul there was something different. You're not going to follow someone that you know does not have the Holy Spirit branded, is not branded in them. You're, you're going to know that your fall is off a cliff in destruction. But when you know that someone has been branded by the Holy Spirit, you're like, I'll follow that. I'll run with that. I'll fight with that. I'll die with that. I'll, I'll go to places with that. That's what Paul was. He was a difference maker. He was available to the Holy Spirit. He was positive, filled with faith, enough to get people to move forward. When he was around, you see all throughout the text, man, people were, it was growing. Things were happening. There was something in him that you know that he was destined to do great things. I mean, Paul was destined. He was a difference maker. And, 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 and you know, you, you got to think about this, that whether you live or die, that you press through the walls of me mediocrity, and you break through those walls, and you find the promised land of your soul. Seriously, is your soul satisfied in the land that it resides in today? Or are you called to press through the, the times that you're in and break through the walls so that your soul could enter into a promised land like never before and say, I'm willing to live in this land because the adventures that I find in this land operating in faith are far greater than that which I was once living for and I was actually dead in. There's no greater example of this than Jesus. I know I'm chewing on Paul a lot. But the greatest example of this is Jesus. Jesus is the example. Jesus is it. Actually, Paul was following Jesus' example. Our example is Paul, but beyond Paul, it's Christ. That's why Paul would say things like, follow me, because I follow him. So it's beyond me, it's Christ. Jesus Christ, if you study his life, which hopefully you all know this, he had an aim. And his aim was always towards the Father's will. Always. And when he would pray, what would he, would, what would he pray? Can you imagine God, the Son, praying to God the Father? Not my will, but your will. And the Father's like, but your will is my will. <laughs> it's just, they shared the same will. They, Jesus Christ aimed his life towards the Father, aimed his life towards heaven, which eventually... He always knew this. From the beginning of Jesus' ministry, what did he begin to talk about? Anyone know? The kingdom of heaven, all that stuff, yeah? We got that one out of the way. What else? He always spoke about the cross. My end is getting to the cross. My end is going to Jerusalem. There's going to be a moment, a day where I go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be on a cross. What was it? That was his aim. What an adventurous life, man. 
What an adventure to be a disciple, to walk with Jesus for three years. Can you imagine that? When your whole day of crusades was over, you would get to Capernaum. And as you would get to Capernaum, you would take off your sandals, massage your toes, smelly, dirty toes. And you're sitting down and you're hanging out and maybe in Peter's mother-in-law's house. And it says that at nighttime when the sun went down, that the line of people would wrap around. And those that were in the line, they brought in those that were demon-possessed, that were sick, those that were lost. And Jesus would pray one after the other. He took time to pray for every single one, casting out demons, healing the sick, doing miracles, saving the lost. And the line was wrapped up. Can you imagine being one of the disciples just watching that and just say, what an adventure. What an adventure. You know what happened to every single one of the disciples? I hope you guys are watching closely because when I'm gone, you're going to do the same thing. <laughs> you're going to repeat this stuff. Everything that I'm doing, you're going to do it and more because I'm just hanging out around the Sea of Galilee. You're taking this to the ends of the earth. Thomas is like, where am I going to go? You're going to go to India. And you're gonna, you know how fun your life is going to be? The way I'm going to take you out, the way you're going to be taken out is a spear is going to pierce your side. Peter's like, how about me? No. You're going to be crucified upside down. I mean, it's going to be, you're going to live an adventurous, something like, that's scary, man. Freaking us out. Not everyone dies like that. Not everyone gets tortured like that. But they were willing. You always know when something is true when they're willing to die for it like that. When they're willing to give their lives and their family like that. Because the moment you put a gun in my head and say, I was just joking, that's not true. I, I go against everything I've ever said. But if it's true, no greater example than Jesus. His life was an adventure. Actually, Jesus spoke like no other and he lived like no other. Talk about a difference maker. Jesus was it. In John chapter 7, you know this story. I've exhausted it so much in this church. Verse 45, it says, when the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, after they were told to arrest Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees, which were the religious leaders, demanded, why didn't you bring him to us? And guess what these men did that were called to arrest Jesus? Here's what they said. We have never heard anyone speak like this man. What does that mean? He's different. You know what they really said? We didn't dare touch him. We didn't dare lay a hand on God's anointed. He was different. The guards responded. And he says, what? Have you been led astray too? Have you been converted to be one of his disciples? Difference makers make a difference in others. You should write that down. How do you know if you're a difference maker? Are you making a difference in other people? If your answer is no, you are not a difference maker. One of the first things that happens with you when you're a difference maker is the people around you, you begin to make a difference in them. I thought I was going to get a glory. Chris Volatin writes this, <clears throat> and I'll quote him. We live with a passion to be numbered among those who have gained fame in the halls of heaven and are feared among the prison guards of hell. That's a good quote. If we're going to walk as God's ruling royalty, we have to. You should write these eight things down. Ready? Number one, pray unceasingly. Number two, give sacrificially. Number three, dream unreasonably. 
Seriously, how many of you 2020 have stolen your dream? Listen, take it back. Take it back. No, nothing steals your dream that God's put in you. Number four, serve wholeheartedly. Number five, love unashamedly. Number six, walk innocently. Number seven, believe undoubtedly. And number eight, live powerfully. We live with a passion to be numbered among those who have gained fame in the halls of heaven and are feared among the prison guards of hell. Let those eight things be what drives you in life. Amen? These are the qualities, he says, of the bride of Christ in all of her glory. She is called to be the most creative force on the face of this earth. The bride of Christ is not weak. The bride of Christ is not weird. The bride of Christ is not uh, dull. The bride of Christ is operative. It's powerful. It's a living organism. It's alive. It works signs and wonders and miracles. It preaches truth. The, the bride of Christ does not operate by the kingdoms of this world. The bride of Christ walks into darkness and it becomes light. Gets bit by poisonous snakes and shakes it off with life. The bride of Christ operates under the rules and the dynamics of the kingdom of heaven. We're called to do what no one else is doing in this world. That is to pray, to give, to dream, to serve, to love, to walk, to believe, and to live powerfully. We're the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And we're called to be a different, we're called to be a different, difference. Difference makers. We live not in boredom, but we live finding the leading of the Holy Spirit. How many of you take your time and really try to figure out what the leading of the Holy Spirit is? Or do you sit back and say, I'm just bored all the time. It's because you're not being led by the Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit leading you? Because where he leads you, write this down, there's always a thrill. When the Holy Spirit leads, there's always a thrill. There's always adventure. And there's always testimony of heaven's power pouring on us here on earth. When the Holy Spirit leads. Amen? In Numbers chapter 14 and 15, uh, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up in a few minutes. But in Numbers chapter 14 and 15, there's an amazing story. It's actually the Israelites are, are finally at the end of their journey in the wilderness, some 40 years. And the Lord had to raise up new leaders. And the reason why the Lord had to raise up new leaders is because the old leaders feared the giants. The old leaders thought it's impossible for us to get in there. Even Moses himself found himself complaining many times. So the Lord says, I can't have leaders that are a bunch of complainers to enter a land that I've promised to them. So this is what I'm going to do, Moses, because I love you. I'm going to let you stand and watch the promised land because I promise you that you would see it. But I'm going to let the next generation of leaders to, to um, inherit it. So I'm going to call Joshua and some of his boys like Caleb and so on. And they're going to walk in to the promised land that I've always called you to walk in. It really is an eye-opener for, for leaders. And, and as we teach in this church, we're all called leaders as soon as... Christ comes into our lives. So the Lord had to do a new thing. And the new thing was not necessarily in his plan. The new thing was always in his people. The plan was there. The land was there. He didn't, he didn't move the land and brought it to a different region. Actually, he didn't change his plan and move the giants. He kept the giants there. 
what he did is he called the giants to rise up amongst the Israelites to face those giants. So as you read the account of the spies as they were going to go spy on the promised land and the people, as they, as they came back with the news, the, the leaders around Moses refused. No, we will not go there. No, they're greater than us. No, they're going to, and they were just filled with worry. They were filled with, let us stay here. Let us not go forward. And, and then there was like young, energetic men like Caleb and, and Joshua said, that, no, you guys stay here and perish, but we're going to go over there and fight. We're going to take what the Lord has for us. Actually, there was something special about them, and the Lord saw it, and it gives us the revelation of it. It's not even, it's, I say the word revelation, it's not, it's just, it's ob the obviousness of it. It's found in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. What does the Lord say about this next group of people? It says this, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. It is because Caleb had a different spirit. There was something what in Caleb? Something different. He was a difference maker. And he had a different spirit and God saw that. And he said, Moses, you missed out on it. Miriam and, 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 and Aaron and all the other leaders that stand around you, they missed out on what I wanted to do. But I looked upon Caleb, and Caleb has a different spirit. He's a difference maker. And because of that, I'm going to let him have the land, and his children are going to inherit it. I think it's powerful. So what does it mean that Caleb had a different spirit? How did Caleb have a different spirit? How was he a difference maker? Here are seven qualities, seven qualities of a person with a different spirit. And I love this. It, it was written by John Dyer, and I grabbed some of them and twisted it, but, but I, I think it's such an amazing way of putting it. Seven qualities. Number one, he was a man of vision. You want to be a difference maker? Number one, you have to be a person of vision. Caleb was a man of vision. He saw the land as the possession of God's people. He saw Hebron as his inheritance. The other ten saw it in the natural, but Caleb, he saw it in the spirit, and he had a vision of God. Number two, he was a man of faith. If you want to be a difference maker, be a man of faith, when you, or a woman of faith, that when you fix your attention on the obstacles rather, rather than the objective, fear will always eclipse your faith. If, you, if you're constantly fixing your attention on what's surrounding you rather than on the other side, the objective, fear will always eclipse your faith. When you stop using your spiritual sight, which is fixed on God's word, and begin using natural sight, which only sees what is in front of you, it is too easy just to focus on the difficulties and the danger and never reach out reach the top levels of your faith walk. Caleb walked by faith. Faith sees the victory. Faith brings a good report. Faith sees with the eyes of God. Faith says, I like to introduce you to God. And faith brings the vision into being. He was a man of faith. Difference makers. Number three, he was a man of perseverance. You want to know if you're a difference maker? You're still persevering today. You're still persevering. You haven't given in. You haven't given up. You're still persevering. Those are difference makers. He was a man of perseverance. Faith needs to persevere. He'd been years in slavery. His people have been years in slavery. Hundreds of years in slavery in Egypt. And walking in the wilderness now for years. 
and in the midst of, of a campfire and in the negativity amongst this campfire and the, and the least 10 instances of, of the, 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 they were murmuring and complaining, but perseverance comes. And, and, and because he sees what God sees, he stands up among the multitude and says, no. He was a man of perseverance and was really ready to take on the challenge. Number four, difference maker, he was a man of encouragement. Are you a person of encouragement? He spreads the good news to others. Actually, in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, it says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And he said, listen to what Caleb says, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Can you imagine that? Caleb, you've lost your mind. What are you taking? He was a man of encouragement. The Lord promised us this possession. Let's go overcome it. I could stop there and preach a whole message on that point. Number five, he was a man of loyalty. Why do I say that? Because if you study Caleb, you'll see that he supported Moses. And then he supported the next one. He supported Joshua. Joshua chapter 14, if you read verses 6 through 13, you'll see exactly what I mean. He supported the next leader, which was Joshua. And in that scripture, in Joshua chapter 14, it says that he was loyal. He was loyal to those who God placed over him. He was a difference maker. Number six, I hope I'm going in order. Number six, he was a man of blessings. You should actually study this. John 15, 13 through 19. He gives away a land that he inherits. And it's a land that is actually very rich because he takes it. And it's a land that is filled with springs of water. And you know that it was very important, whatever land that you occupy, to have water. Springs in itself was more important than the land that was given. And what does Joshua do? He knew that he's been blessed. And because he knew he was blessed, guess what he did? He blessed others. And he came into his inheritance. And guess what he did with it? If you study Joshua 15, you'll see that he grabbed his inheritance of a land filled with spring waters and he gave it as a blessing to someone else. He was a man of blessing. You know why? Because I truly believe that Joshua got the revelation that he did not live for the things of this world. And he gave away the blessings of this world because he had won already the blessings of another world within him. The last one, number seven, he was a man of altitudes. He was not content with the average or commonplace, exactly what I just said. He never thought in terms of comfort while the rest were with fear. He focused on God and his promises. He knew that God and his promises were much higher and bigger than any giant or wall in that city. He was a man of altitude. I see as he sees. You see as they see because you're seated at a different place than I'm seated. Whenever you see something from a negative aspect and you're seeing someone seeing it from a positive aspect, it's probably because they're seated differently than you are. They're watching it from a different perspective where you're watching it from another. So you see it like this, but they see it from another place. And that is why they're able to operate, live, speak, and do from the place where they're at. Amen? That's biblical. To reflect on some of these things, ready? Are you missing any of these qualities in your life? You need to ask yourself that. Because if you are, the question is, how can you fix your vision? How can you fix your vision on God's promises rather than on your problems? How many of you have some problems in here? One person. The rest of you, I love you so much. But you're lying. <laughs> Bunch of liars. 
You all have problems. You all have problems. Ask the person sitting next to you. They'll remind you that you have problems. You have problems. You all have problems. Some are bigger than others. You're right. (laughs) But how can you fix your vision on God's promises rather than on your problems? That's hard to do when you're operating from here. But when you're operating from here, you'll, you'll fix your eyes on his promises rather than on your problems. How can you have a different attitude to those around you? Man, I take that, for, I take that man. I, I take these questions up. Listen, don't think that I'm saying these questions. And I don't have to kind of relate to them as well. Trust me. But how can you have a different attitude to those around you? How many of you have had a bad attitude with others? How many of you have had been given bad attitude towards, your, towards you? How can you have a different attitude to those around you? Are you, missing, are you missing out on God's great adventures that he has for you? Seriously, are you missing out on God's great adventures? Are you a difference maker? If you can't answer that or if you answer no to these things, all I could say is this. Just surrender yourself to become one. And when do I start? Start today. And surrender yourself, like Paul says in Galatians 2.20. Amen? In, da- in Daniel chapter 5 and 6, the worship team comes up. It speaks of, um, of Daniel, just like it speaks of Caleb. And if you know anything about Daniel, if you don't, go read the book of Daniel. But in Daniel chapter 5 and 6, Daniel as well had a different spirit. In chapter 6, verse 3, it gives us a good description of what was in Daniel. It says this, Then Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set Daniel over the whole kingdom. How is this Daniel, this Israelite in a sense, how is he going to be in charge of a whole kingdom of Babylon? I'll tell you how a pagan Gentile kingdom because he had an excellent spirit and he was found favor with. Favor was found in him. Wherever Daniel went, he lit up the room. You know how powerful Daniel was? You want to know what a difference maker he was? He walked into a lion's den and every lion's mouth was shut. Can you imagine that? Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you think different. You ready? Daniel didn't walk into the lion's den saying, oh, great, the angels shut their mouths so I could walk in. The angel said, oh, Daniel went in, so we're going to shut their mouths. You saw the difference? Daniel didn't walk in and say, oh, great, the angels shut their mouths, so I'm going to walk in. The angel said, oh, great, Daniel walked in, so we're going to shut their mouths. Why? Because he's a different maker. He's different. There's something on him. There's something special. Come on, difference makers. If not now, the, the answer probably is never. If not now, never. Seriously, when are you going to rise? When are we going to rise?
When are they going to rise? It might as well be now. It might as well be now where the Lord is calling difference makers to rise up. Amen. Psalm 16:11 says, You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There's fullness of joy at your right hand or pleasures forevermore. I'm a different maker, difference maker. Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him and I want to share in his death. I'm a difference maker. James chapter 1 verse 2, 3 and 4 says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance finish, it's, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I'm a difference maker. I'm a difference maker. I feel like we'll end it there. I was going to read all of Philippians 4. Actually, not all of it. But I was going to read verse 10 through 14. Then I was going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Then I was going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I was going to end it there. And the reason why I was going to read those. Actually, you know what? Let's just, I'm, just going to, I'm not going to preach on it. I'm just going to read it. Philippians 4.10 says this. Paul. We're going to jump back to Paul. Difference maker. How I praise the Lord that, you concern, that you're concerned about me. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything, all things, through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Does that sound like a difference maker? His letter was not complaining. You guys suck. You never wrote to me. You never came to see. You know how many people right now are like, oh my God. They never, no, be a difference maker. Pause like, watch this. Watch what I'm about to write. Second Timothy 2, he writes, always remember that Jesus Christ, the descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach the good news, I am suffering. I've become chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. Who says that? Paul. I am suffering. I've been chained. But the word of God cannot be chained. He's crazy. How many of you want to be a friend with someone like that? How many of you want to follow someone like this? So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those that God has chosen. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He, he even gets it. He says this. I know that I sound like a madman. You sure do. Difference makers, they sound like mine. Man. People don't like difference makers. People will try to fight them, turn them down. People will come against them. Because they don't like that. They feel threatened. They feel, I don't know. Darkness doesn't like it. The enemy wants to rise up against it. He says, I know I sound like a madman. But I've served him far more. I've worked harder, I've been put in prison more often, I've been whipped times without number, forced to death again and again. <laughs> Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. I'm different, baby. He doesn't say that part. But he was a difference 
There was a difference in him and he was a difference maker. And it was obvious in everything that he did and everything that he wrote and everything that he said, the way he led. Come on. Are you shifting rooms? Are you shifting islands? Are you shifting a whole kingdom? Start with your very own home. Are you shifting things? Is your positivity and your faith enough to move people, to get them to go forward? When you're around people, is it more of a blessing than it is a curse? Are they happy? When people look at you, can they recognize, man, you are destined. You are destined for great things. I could sense that when I'm around you. Amen? Can you stand with me? <clears throat> this moment I want you to really just examine your life there for a moment really take your life to evaluation and I want you to recognize if you may where do you stand today are you a difference maker are you living in the adventures that the Holy Spirit is leading you in or have all adventures ceased in your life? You haven't been able to find the next adventure for you. You haven't felt the leading of the Holy Spirit in a while. You've been struck maybe by this year and everything that it's brought. But today the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart. Leading you today. And calling you to be a difference maker. Calling you forward. To continue to live the life. The adventurous life of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Listen, if that's you today, this is what I want as this music is playing in the background. Right there where you're at, I want you just to surrender to the Lord. Can you, can you surrender your heart? Can you do as Paul says in Galatians chapter 2.20, verse 20, where he says, I'm going to crucify, so the second part is, so this life that I now live. Come on, can you get to the place where this life that you now live, you live in trusting in the Son of God. You live in faith in Christ Jesus. Can you get to that place today? Right there where you're at, just if you want to stretch out your your hands, stretch them out. If you want to lift up your voice, lift them up. If you want to open up your heart, just right there where you're at, just come up before the altar of the Lord. Place yourself on that altar and say, Lord, you've called me to be a difference maker. Go ahead, spend a moment there with the Lord real quick. Lord, you know who we are. You know who you're calling Lord, so often we don't have eyes to see what you see. If we could only see how God sees it. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of my worry. Forgive me of my complaints. My griping. Forgive me of my fears. Forgive me for viewing things from a perspective that's not of you. From a ground level rather than seated in high places with you. Lord, I'm called to be a difference maker.
I'm called to shift rooms. I'm called that when I walk into a room, that room of darkness turns into a room of light. Come on, pray that over yourself. I'm called to shake off death and let life conquer. You will present me before men and women. I'm called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ before them through my life and through my words. I'm a difference maker. I'm called to not only have the Holy Spirit living in me, but to allow the Holy Spirit to live through me. I'm a difference maker. I'm not called to live in boredom, complacency. I'm called to enjoy the thrills, the thrills in which the kingdom opens doors for me to walk into. I'm a difference maker. I'm a difference maker. We are difference makers. Confess that to yourself. I'm, I'm a difference maker. I'm a difference maker. I'm called to pray without stopping, give sacrificially, dream unreasonably, serve wholeheartedly. I'm called to love unashamedly. I'm called to walk innocently, believe undoubtedly. I'm called to live powerfully. I'm, on, I'm a difference maker. I'm called to be a person of vision. I'm called to be a person of faith. I'm called to be a man of perseverance, a man of encouragement. I'm called to be a man of loyalty, a man of blessings. I'm called to be a man of altitude. I'm a difference maker. I'm a difference maker. I'm called to focus not on the problems, but on the promises. I'm a difference maker. I want to make the people around me different. I want to bring difference into their lives. If I've ceased from making people different around me, help me to make them different. Let the Holy Spirit come, come out and let, the, let them become different. Let them become disciples, not of regal, but disciples of Jesus Christ. Let them become, Lord, ambassadors of the kingdom. Let us, let us, let us smell like you and look like you and speak like you. Not of me, but of you. Let the difference be contagious. Let others run with it and let them spread it. What a time to be alive, to be a difference. We're called to be different. Let's change our lives. Let's change things during this lifetime right now before it's too late. We're called to be difference makers. Lord, I'm a difference maker. Come on, how many of you could say, man, I'm a difference maker. Every Sunday I say this, but I really hope, I really hope that you will start having testimony of how you are a difference maker and how you're living that out each day of your life. You're a difference maker. Come on, give God the glory. Give him the praise. Give him the honor. He's called you. He's called you. He's called you to be a difference maker. Amen. Give someone some love today. Starting here, give someone love today. Hug them a little tighter today. Love them a little stronger today. And say, going forward, we're going to be difference makers.
We're going to be difference makers. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Go knowing that you are loved and that the favor of the Lord is among you and upon your life. And to that we say, yes, Lord. And so be it. Yes, Lord. And amen. Yes, Lord. And amen. Hallelujah.